Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. All right, no Billy Turner again this upcoming Sunday. KJ Hamler likely out as well. Josie Jewell hoping to play. We know Justin Simmons is out for the next four games. How big of a loss is Turner and possibly Jewell again? Considering um, you need Turner at right tackle, although I think Fleming did a nice yeah, job. Not bad. But I think my biggest concern with all of this is the fact that if you don't have Jewel and you don't have Simmons, in theory, you don't have your two quarterbacks on the field getting guys in the right order. It sounds like Josie Jewell is going to practice today. It sounds like he's going to practice today. Now, whether or not he can practice effectively and that calf can, can hold together, we don't know about. But he's got a couple of days still to get that in order. He seemed confident yesterday in the locker room that he would practice today with the idea of being ready to go on Sunday. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it because we can't say definitively. Uh, will he be full today? I, I don't know. My guess is he'll probably be a questionable, but with a chance to play on Sunday. Then the question becomes, how well will he play? How well is he ready to play? Okay, one guy who's actually spending time on the field and good on him as he's going into a contract year is Bradley Chubb. Mm. Finally healthy. Parasacks against Seattle. I had a chance to catch up with him in the locker room. When you look at what happened with the outcome of the game on Monday, do you look at it as this is a game we should have won because we beat ourselves or we're going to look back and say that's one we should have had? Yeah, I mean... Uh, we beat ourselves for sure. Uh, it was a whole bunch of stuff going on. Sales is still a great team. They play well. They fall hard. But at the end of the day, if we clean up those mistakes, I feel like it will be in our favor. But at the end of the day, we just got to learn from them and move on. What kind of positives are you guys trying to take out of this game defensively? Uh, three force fumbles. Well, three force, yeah, force fumbles. Uh, uh, I feel like we got on the field at a critical time and uh, we were able to get out the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff went down. It just We saw that two, three plays maybe get those back, and we're in a, a, a real good ball game. So I feel like we just got to look at those plays, like I said, get the communication down, get the penalties away, and we'll be all right. It was absolutely a tale of two halves for that defense. What happened to you guys in the first half, and what were the adjustments in the second half where you guys – looked ridiculously good. To be honest, it really wasn't that many adjustments, man. We just woke up. I feel like as a defense, we saw that wasn't who we were, saw that it wasn't who we wanted to be. We didn't want to put that on film and stuff like that, so we just woke up, all came together, and just understood we just got to be better. Okay, I say this all due respect to you. We've known each other for a long time, so don't take this the wrong way. You are a leader on this team. Mm -hmm. Why did this team need to wake up in the opener on Monday? I don't know. Uh, when it came down to uh, playing and stuff, I mean, it's not like we need to wake up. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that we probably didn't come out as as well as we wanted to. And 
you know, sometimes look in the mirror, point to yourself, be like, I'm not doing as much as I can right now. And when all 11 guys did that on the side of the ball, I feel like we, we came alive, you know what I mean? But like you said, we shouldn't start flat, but at the end of the day, we just got to, uh, it happened, and we just got to learn from it. How difficult is it to scout a team that you have only one tape on for a game? Talking about the Texans coming up. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, the schemes and stuff pretty much carry over from last year. It's just like different bodies in there with players and stuff. So um, the schemes and stuff is pretty easy just to scheme up. But uh, when it comes to the players, it, it, you do want to see more than one game on, on tape and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, uh, we just got to go out there and play ball. What's more exciting for you, a home opener or the opener, if the opener happens to be on the road? Uh, probably a home opener. Being able to be in front of your crowd, your home fans. Um, have somebody on our on the defensive side, you know what I mean? When uh, when you're away, they're quiet on defense, but to have, have them loud and, and cheering is, is kind of what we're looking forward to as a as a unit. So I feel like the home opener is always fun. You know, on one hand, that's a guy that was a top draft pick that had a tremendous rookie season and much is expected of. And so it's kind of like put up or shut up now at a time in your career where you've got to do one or the other. On the other hand, he's still a great story of perseverance because he's been injured. And you can say whatever you want about toughness, get out there, do what you... There are times when you just can't play through injuries. You can't play through the kind of stuff that he has had to deal with for the last couple of years. From that standpoint, as a human being, you really you cheer for the guy. Bradley Chubb is a guy that I cheer for. Don't know what's going to happen down the line. Don't know if he's going to be a Denver Bronco next year. Every Hey, the more sacks, the more expensive he becomes, the harder decision it becomes for the Broncos to figure out how he fits moving forward. But it's great to see Bradley Chubb back. I'm knocking on wood for his health right now because we hold our breath a little bit with a guy like him over the last couple of years. But, man, I thought he was a difference maker in the second half at Seattle. I kind of feel badly for him. Yeah. for this, for this Not because of the injury. No, I understand. Timing. Mm. No? Timing of what? Timing <clears throat> of where he is in his career. Mm-mm. No? All right, what do you got? I feel badly for him for the same reason I could feel badly for Pat Sertan. Chubb will always be the guy that the Broncos selected over Josh Allen. Mm, okay. And I don't think he has ever been fully embraced here. Now, granted, he hasn't been on the field as much as he would have liked. He played in the shadow of Von Miller. People are now looking in hindsight at Josh Allen and saying, wow, yeah. the Broncos could add him. So mm. think about this for a second. Okay. If Pat Sertan turns out to be a multiple all-pro, and let's say Justin Fields or Mac Jones, but specifically, yeah, specifically, Justin Fields, because no one around here was really saying, we got to get me some Mac Jones. Everybody wanted Justin Fields. So if Justin Fields turns out to be special and Sertan turns out to be special, you can make an argument, an argument now that they have Russell Wilson specifically, that Sertan was the right pick. But right now, with all the injuries to Bradley Chubb, Mm -hmm. he has never been fully embraced by this community because A, Allen wasn't selected, and B, he hasn't had the opportunity to be a difference maker. If this was a guy drafted fifth overall, averaging 13, 14 sacks a year, you would have an argument, I understand how great Josh Allen is. I get it. 
However, look how great and what a difference Bradley Chubb is going to make. The Josh Allen people are always going to win out. But if Chubb, 13, 14 sacks a year, let's say he was doing that, at least you're in the conversation with an argument. Let's not be revisionist in history with Josh Allen, though. But people do that. I know. But he was a bit of a scattergun, uh, very talented, strong-armed, big. None of that's changed. He was a bit of a scattergun at Wyoming. He was a little bit of a wild card in that group of quarterbacks. It wasn't. Uh, it he wasn't an absolute slam dunk no. at quarterback. Uh, and not only that, from year one to year two, he made the biggest jump in NFL history in terms of completion percentage. He went from inaccurate to accurate, and he's never given it back. That's part of what has made Josh Allen such a unicorn, is that he made such a huge jump from year one to year two. Everything in retrospect has a different view of decision-making rather than when the decisions were made. Bradley Chubb looked pretty good in that first year, didn't he, with double-digit sacks? He did. Things have happened since then that changed the narrative and changed the view. Yes, of course, in retrospect, with the way things have worked out, would Josh Allen have been a better pick than Bradley Chubb? No question. But I'll ask you the question. Would Josh Allen no. have developed no. in Denver no. the same way he did in Buffalo? I agree with you. No. So then, now all of a sudden, that argument's a little bit different, is it? Pat Sertan for Justin Fields, I'll fight anyone in an alley over that one. Forget it. Patrick Sertan was the good pick there. Well, let me add, let's look back at this. Um, Alex, can you look this up while I'm talking? And honestly, I'll probably sound like a schmuck because I'll probably be wrong. That was the 2018 draft. Is that correct? Um, Where are we now? I believe it was. That that I do know. I do know it was the 2018 draft. And the Broncos, I believe, hired a new head coach the same year. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then again... What was when was Fangio hired? Was he hired 2018, 2019? 2019. Okay. When Vance Joseph goes, you're probably hiring an offensive minded head coach. I don't know if you're hiring Fangio. No, I would agree. And, may, and maybe that makes the difference. I don't know if you're bringing in Scangarello to coach. Josh Allen. Oh, okay. Right. I don't know if you're bringing in Pat Shermer to coach, uh, but th- that's purely speculation. Totally. Coming up after the break, which defense are we going to see on Sunday against the Texans? The first half Broncos or the second half Broncos? Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider, joins us next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Goodman Hurdle, watch us mylifesports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman, if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, 
Go to rmfp.com. Want to tell you about this great new entertainment concept in Colorado. It is called the Gallery Sportsman Club and Range. This is really an entertainment destination, like a top golf. Okay. This is so much fun. First of all, they have 15 state of the art shooting lanes with a fantastic sports lounge to watch your favorite teams. And the menu is high end stuff. It is not bar food. It's not even upscale bar food. It is far better than that. So this is a great place to spend the entire day. Now, if you're thinking, man, how safe can it be? You're serving liquor and you have guns. Well, here's my answer for that. Their safety precautions are top of the line. They were approved by the Lakewood Police Department and the ATF. So this is safe. This is fun. It's a place you can spend all day. Man, you got to check this place out if you are a marksman. It's a -a one-of-a-kind place, and it's the only place like this in the entire state of Colorado. You can find them in Lakewood or go to thegallerysportsmanclub.com. That's thegallerysportsmanclub.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in our Broncos insider, Cody Rourke. You can also catch him every afternoon with Anilo, afternoon drive from 4 to 6. How are you, Cody? Good, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Uh, Tell me if you feel the same way I do, because I, for lack of a better phrase, went on a rant in the first hour. Justin Outen was asked about that fourth and five call, or the lack thereof, and going for the kick. This was the first time that Outen was meeting the media. I found what he said to be so incredibly off-putting, honestly, immature, to a point, trying to make a funny. Am I the only one that feels that way, or am I out of my tree? Is this the, the Marty McFly comment? It's the Marty McFly comment. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think he meant anything wrong by it. I mean, I, I get maybe what he was trying to say was, you know, we can't go back and change it. You know, it's it's over with. And, um, you know, I just think that's just his personality. He's a fun, light guy. Um, I didn't take as much to it, but I, I kind of understood what he meant there. Well, I understood what he meant as well. This is the first time he's meeting the media. He's no longer a coaching intern like he was in 2016 with the Falcons. The next year, he was the offensive assistant. The highest rank he had was tight ends coach, right? He's the offensive coordinator. It's his job to answer that question, not to make a joke about it because everyone else has answered it for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even like I I say when Coach Hackett addressed it on Tuesday, I I think that was a huge thing for that, you know, just kind of putting it, you know, it's it's one of those decisions. And, And look, I think that if he ever finds themselves in a situation where, they're facing, you know, if they're in a must-win situation and they're at a fourth and five, I think they're going to go for it. Now, I think that they still may kick a field goal if they get close enough, right? Not 64 yards, but I imagine if there was like 55 yards to, to 50 yards, I think Denver would in a situation if they needed to kick a field goal. I'd be perfectly okay with it at that point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ideally, you need to trust in Russell Wilson. I mean, you spent a lot of money to get him offensively Denver was moving the ball downfield consistently and they you know they just couldn't finish and I think that was really just the biggest issue not being able to finish when you need to 
too many missed opportunities. But you know what? I think when you look at the everything else outside of the the end result of the game, there were some good things that the Broncos did that they need to continue to build on, and they just need to finish going forward. All right. So give me a pulse check at this point, Cody. How do we feel like this team has pivoted? Because I, I mean, I guess it was yesterday that we at least started the talk about playing the Houston Texans. But man, the aftermath of Seattle has sure lasted a long time in the narrative, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, it has. I mean, I, fans, you should see fans. Fans, it's the end of the world <laughs> with what's going on. It's crazy right now. You should see some of the, the mentions and the emails that I get. It is absolutely wild what you know this whole week has gone. But you know, I guess that's the pitfalls of playing on the last nationally televised game of the week short week and the only thing that's lingering is that Seattle game and you know the team is on to Houston um, and you know just even talking to players even after the game in Seattle you know we was talking to players and you know Bruce I saw you there as well they didn't seem like they were just like dejected or anything like that they're like you know what we we made too many mistakes we shot ourselves in the foot and so we just got to get back and, and go back to doing it so I mean it's like the players the players flush the pity potty real quick, um, and, and I'm hoping fans do the same thing. But, I mean, I think it leads to a lot of pressure this week because now the Houston Texans come to town. They're 0-0-1 after tying with the Indianapolis Colts. Denver's going to have to play a clean game. I mean, the way that Tampa plays defense, especially just downhill, physical, 4-3 style with Lovey Smith's aggressiveness, trying to take away the run, you have to be very, very cognizant of what Houston can do to maybe impact your game plan. And, you know, like I said, they have a, a guy, Derek Stingley Jr. now, alongside Desmond King, Stephen Nelson, Jalen Petrie, and that secondary that, you know, they, they're talented, they're young, but they're super talented. What truly concerns you about the Texans uh, and maybe scare you enough that makes you think the Texans can win this game? Uh, you know, I would just have to say maybe like their, their defensive aggressiveness because what they do is they play their defensive ends out wide and they crash them in. They have their defensive tackles playing a three or a one technique, and then they have three linebackers that fill every other open gap. So it's going to be a seven a seven man box that Denver's probably going to face, and I'll be surprised if we see an eight man box. But I, I think that we're going to see Houston play a lot more zone coverage this week. They played a lot of man last week because Indy didn't have a lot of receiving threats. This is why Jerry Judy Cortland Sutton had to have a big game here once again. Um, and that's one thing I'm looking forward to seeing. But I think that they have some guys on the defensive line. Jerry Hughes had two sacks. And he also had an interception last week for the Houston Texans on the defensive line. He's an impact player on the inside there. Stingley Jr. is an impact player. They had a, a bunch of dudes, and they have a linebacker, Krugier Hill. He had 18 tackles last week against the Colts. So this is going to be a defense that's going to be very aggressive, flying around. The Broncos can't show um, what they're doing. You know, I know that there was something that came out that the Seahawks players were saying that when Javante Williams did a certain thing, they knew this was happening. Or if Andrew Beck was coming on the field, they knew that they were running. So Denver's going to have to change some things up if that's the tendency that some teams have viewed. Wait a minute. They thought when Andrew Beck came on the field that the Broncos <laughs> were running? I mean, did, did they, well, yeah. I, they, they had the best seat in the house on the field. Did right. they watch the beginning of the game? Well, so I think it was when Andrew Beck comes on the field and Jerry Judy comes off the field. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there were some tendencies there that they said. But I, I don't know how true that necessarily is because even just going back and watching the film, there were times I saw Jerry Judy and Andrew Beck on the field at the same time. There's times where Judy came off and Beck was on, and they still passed the ball. So I'm um, not sure if that was just like a Seahawks narrative. 
But there was one thing, too, I even asked Nathaniel Hackett this week as well, because Pete Carroll, after the game or on Monday, I mean, on Tuesday following the game, had said something that the defensively they, they wanted to force Russell Wilson to his left. He had one play where the defense forced him to his left. He reset his stance, and he found Cortland Sutton wide yeah. open uh, against zone. I think that was a promising sign. So uh, Hackett told me he's not as concerned with that narrative because, I mean, there's going to be play designs where they are rolling to the left. So I'll be very intrigued to see how Houston comes out and plays Denver with their defensive front this week and see how Denver responds after uh, you know last week's letdown. By the way, don't you always want to roll the quarterback away from their throwing arm? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean that's kind of football one yeah, isn't they're, it? They're, they're trying to do that. You're always trying to do that. We're talking with Cody Work, our Broncos insider, MileHighSports.com. You can catch him afternoons with Anilo 4 to 6. Cody, what do we need to know about Davis Mills? There's very little conversation about Houston when they come in about the quarterback. Here's the guy that kind of rose out of nowhere a year ago. Uh, in the in the aftermath of the whole Deshaun Watson thing, and that served this franchise pretty well. He's surviving now. May not be the long term answer for the Houston Texans, but he has put himself into a position to be a decent quarterback. What is it that we need to know about this guy, and what does he bring to the table that we need to be cognizant of? Well, I mean, he's a very, very smart quarterback. Obviously, a Stanford product there, but he's super good in the red zone. Now, last year in the NFL, when he took over as a starting quarterback, he had the highest passer rating inside the red zone. And they got off to another hot start once again week one. They were two for two in the red zone period uh, last week against the Indianapolis Colts. He found O.J. Howard twice for two touchdowns. So, you know, he's going to probably look to capitalize with O.J. Howard's size as a tight end there. Uh, and so the Broncos, if they find themselves defensively backed up in the red zone, they need to find a way to identify where O.J. Howard is because tight ends hurt Denver last week. Davis Mills, uh, he's not necessarily the guy that has a big arm, but he's got the arm that's going to lead you downfield. Like He'll, he'll put together a 12-13 play drive with short methodical passes, maybe a couple of pop shots here and there. But he understands where to go with the football. He's very smart. He doesn't normally put the ball in a harm's way. So Denver's going to have to be very, very cognizant of where O.J. Howard lines up and what you know you could do for Davis Mills. Like He does a lot of sprint out. Like they'll, they'll snap the ball to him. He'll sprint out to his right and throw the ball. So you have to be on your toes a little bit this week defensively um, and tr- try to make him be a statue in the pocket. I mean, if Denver can get pressure, which I thought they did a, a decent enough job on Monday getting pressure on QBs just at the finish. Bradley Chubb really turned it on. You're just going to have to get pressure and force him, uh, you know, into some sacks, I think, to, to maybe shake his confidence a little bit. And I, I expect the Broncos' defense to be very, very aggressive against him. At the risk of sounding too critical, it looked like in the first half against Seattle, the Broncos' defense not only looked unprepared for what was being run against them, uh, the, the execution certainly wasn't there, whatever they were trying to execute. I think one thing you can point to is Josie Jewell was not on the field, essentially the quarterback of the defense, calling out the plays. We don't know if he's going to play. Now couple that with Justin Simmons, essentially the quarterback of the secondary. If Jewell doesn't play, meaning both guys will not be on the field, how concerned are you? 
Uh, you know, it's a huge loss. I mean, you're losing two of your best communicators on the field. Now, Josie is scheduled to practice today for the Broncos, so that is a positive sign, and there is a chance he could play if he doesn't. Singleton will start. For me, I'm looking forward. I, I want to see a little bit more out of Jonas Griffith. I felt like, you know, a lot of Broncos fans initially on the timeline were pinpointing and blaming and, and trashing Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton actually had a pretty good game. Jonas Griffith had some moments. Now, obviously, there was that one touchdown, uh, you know, underneath to the tight end, that second one where Jonas was underneath. Denver didn't have enough cover guys in that situation. They were outmatched there. Uh, but the other one was on that Tyler Lockett, It's kind of on that first drive where he kind of took an outside step and planted back inside on third down and picked up a 16-yard gain. Jonas's eyes have been fixated on the quarterback quite a bit. And so I've noticed that as a little bit of a trend early on is just staring at the QB, which you can't have that happen consistently. So if Josie's able to return, I think it adds a little bit more solidification to the unit. But now you need a guy like Caden Stearns in the back end to really kind of step up and play at the same level that Justin Simmons was. Uh, and, and that's a tough ask because Justin is smart. He knows where to go. He's audibling out of certain things when the you know offense comes out in a different formation. This is a huge test and huge challenge without these two guys back there. And I don't think we know how it'll go yet, but, I mean, we all we can do is wait and see. 42 passes, 19 scheduled runs in a tight game. Does there need to be more offensive balance for the Broncos this weekend against Houston and moving forward? Uh, it just depends on how a team plays you. Now, for Denver, I can understand why they went away from the run. I mean, obviously, you have the two fumbles on the one-yard yeah. line. That's, But when you're trailing in a game and you need to get downfield and score points, you're probably not going to run the ball as much, which is why we saw Denver be very pass-happy in the second half. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, it just depends. You know, if Denver's in a situation where, let's say, they have a 10 nothing lead at one point, I think we'll see them run the ball a lot more and take a couple of shots every once in a while. But Denver's trailing. I think we're going to see a very pass-heavy approach here by Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. Office. Not to mention, I mean, Javante Williams, 11 targets out of the backfield for him this past week. That is unbelievable. But, you know, that's a usage we have not seen Javante use with yet. So I think that's also a promising sign. Okay, I'm going to circle back to Justin out again okay. because of what he said. And, and, and this is why, to me, it is so aggravating to hear what he said. I know he doesn't call the plays, but in theory, he's certainly part of designing the plays. I'm guessing he has some input in play calling. So when he makes a Marty McFly comment, this is coming from a guy who probably thought it was a good idea to go shotgun on the one-yard line twice in a very noisy environment. And even Garrett Glasgow said after the game, um, Russ called an audible. Couldn't hear it. And I couldn't hear it. And that's why you know, backpedaled and went into the backfield. So when, when I look at Justin Alton with what he said, and then I look at that, I'm thinking, come on, Justin, were you as curious as I was in a noisy environment? Why in the hell they were running out of shotgun? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I think a lot of it is dependent because there, it's not just Denver that has ran some plays out of shotgun on the one yard line. I think, you know, we've seen Kansas City do it, we've seen LA, but... Yeah, but in if, Seattle, where it's deafening? Well, if you're going to run... So, that's my thing. If you're going to run out of shotgun on the one yard line, you know, ideally, I'm believing that you're going to pass mostly. I think that's more pass favored. And on that second one to Javante, they were actually supposed to check into a pass, which... It did, you know, there was a miscommunication amongst the offensive line. You know, Lloyd Cushenberry told us after the game there, uh, so they weren't all on the same page because of how loud it was. 
I think that once you do, you have to get down there into under center. And, and why not do a QB sneak? Why not have Andrew Beck push right. Russell Wilson over the pile? I imagine we will see some of that this week against Houston. Uh, just a little geography here for you. If you want to run fourth and one at midfield, shotgun, okay, I suppose. But think about the geography. You're closer to Seattle's fans. Don't you think it's going to be a little bit louder mm. in the end zone? Well, I'll, I'll ask you this, Cody. If you're going to run out of the shotgun in the shadow of the goal line and you're going you're gonna to back it up and, and try an RPO or whatever it is that you're, that you're doing, don't you kind of have to have a threat at quarterback to run? And is Russell Wilson at this point a threat to run out of RPOs? Um, I, I think he can, but the thing with RPOs, you know, I'd say you probably want to do a little bit more read option than an RPO in that situation. Because if you're going to do the RPO, you want to hand it to your back. You don't right. want to, you know, fake the handoff to the running back and then run because that requires so much time. And, and the way the RPOs are set up and blocked, I mean, there's the fine line between it becoming an eligible man downfield versus, you know, getting downfield and running. I think a lot of it's contingent upon a read. Um, so, I, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, for me, I would run a toss play. I would get under center. I would either QB sneak it or I would run a toss play. But when you're running, you know, out of shotgun, now, for example, if you're on the goal line, if I'm the quarterback, and let's say the running back is to my left, well, you know what the defensive line is going to do? They're going to slant. Sure they the are. Right. right. That's exactly what they're going to do, and they're going to plug on the outside. So that's where I think that Denver can evolve a little bit there, and we'll see if, uh, we'll see if the coaching staff, you know, decides to embrace that a little bit. Definitely some questionable decisions, but you know what? I think that there's a lot to build on, and Denver's just going to have to come out, and they're going to have to unleash their frustrations a little bit on the Houston Texans. Can't overlook them because the schedule gets tougher, and now you're down, you know, you're down Justin Simmons. That's a huge blow, and you're going to have to manage for the next four weeks. Hey, uh, great job today as always, Cody. We look forward to listening to you 4-6 to six on Afternoon Drive, and uh, the two of us will see you at the game on Sunday. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good one, gentlemen. All right, coming up after the break, who's going to win the game? Texans, Broncos. Are the Broncos going to be facing an 0-2 hole, or do we think they're going to win this one? What do they have to do to win, and what can't they do? What can't they do? Again, that's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, uh, what do you think happens on Sunday? If the Broncos are fundamentally the better team in this, and the odds makers say that they are, our eyes say that they are. Right. They are playing at home. This is the question of can they grow the product? Is this a 
game where they evolve rightly instead of wrongly. You don't want to fall back into the first half and the way that they played in Seattle. Can you grow from the second half where they look like a pretty darn good football team other than the stuff in the red zone? Hard to say that because that's a big part of why they lost the football game. I expect them to take not a quantum leap forward, but a pretty impressive step forward. I think there's a lot more continuity on offense. I think that there's a better and better executed plan on offense, and I think that they will at least be similar, similarly disposed of on defense. After they got punched in the throat by the Bills in the preseason, they bounced back very yes. nicely in their final preseason Good game. Good point. Okay. I think, I would like to think, that's what happens here. I would like to see Hackett be forced to make a big decision or two. Hmm. I would like to see yeah. him in that situation where he has to be forced to make a big decision. Well, any time that he is going to be in time constraints, end of uh, halves, uh, end of games, and those types of situations, the... <laughs> The magnifying glasses will be out. There's no question about that. He has earned that to this point. Now, what do you do moving forward? I mean, look, I think you and I both think that this is a smart guy, yep, right? We do. He's a smart guy. If you're a smart guy, learn from it, get better from it, and be better for it the next time. That's all you're asking. How much pressure do you think is on him? For just the second game of his career. More than there should be for the I second agree. game. Yeah. Much more than there should be. I don't want to say he has something to prove, but after his call, I think people are looking at him and saying, okay, let's see how you rebound from this. More than anything, doesn't he just want a good, clean game? No penalties. Well called. Right. Keep it polished. Look good. Look like you've made strides to be a better football team than you were on Monday. Like a referee or an offensive tackle, you want a situation where no one is talking about him after the game. Well said. What do you have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? A Denver radio legend is stepping away from the microphone and will further discuss the Amazon, Amazon Prime broadcast from last night. That's coming up next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Do me a favor, Alex, uh, pot up that music just for a second, okay? want to bring in right now Josh from Argonaut Wine and Liquor. They always have great specials going on. Right now, all 750 milliliter size Australian and New Zealand wines are 15% off, and so is Saki. 15% off, but Josh... What kind of shot ideas do you have on sale right now for the weekend? 
Oh, wow. That's a great question. I mean, we have a ton of different things. Um, our liquor specialists just kind of rotate. Right now, we've got um, an awesome selection of single-barrel bourbons in. Um, if you're looking for, you know, new or unique bourbon, um, we have a ton of that. Um, some really cool things, some stuff I personally went down to Kentucky to source myself. So um, we've got some great things going right now. Sourced it, drank it, guzzled it, got hammered. Fill in the blank for me. Uh, you know, a little bit of all of the above. Okay. Well, good on, good on you for being honest. Uh, there is a reason why Westwood has voted you guys the best liquor store in Denver five years running. Certainly your selection. Absolutely your pricing. But I like the special events that you guys do as well so people can sample the different product that you have. What kind of things do you have coming up? Definitely. We have a uh, wine tasting today from 3 to 5 p.m. Um, we'll be pouring four different wines, um, uh, just a kind of random selection that our sommeliers put together. Um, you know, we you mentioned our service. We have several sommeliers on staff, including myself. So um, at any time, there are people in the building who can help you with your wine picks. And uh, we take real pride in getting you, you know, the right wine for the right occasion. Um to, you know, make your event extra special. I got a silly question for you. When you order a drink, it's filled up to the top. When you order a beer, it's filled up to the top. When you order wine, they only fill half the glass. Why don't they fill it to the top? Uh, that's a great question, and there's actually a good reason for it. So the reason Is it because we have... need it to breathe? It's got to breathe. It's got... Does it have to breathe? It has to breathe. So I can this. enjoy it with my brie and my puff. Pastry. You have to have the proper bouquet. <laughs> exactly. It actually is for the aromas of the wine. Right. So you get uh, so you get some of those smells, some of the you know the whole sensory experience, as opposed to just uh, you know my part, which my favorite part, which is the flavor. <laughs> Listen, if I want to smell something, I'll go down to a bookstore and buy something that is scratch and sniff. I'm not buying wine. <laughs> to smell it i'm buying to drink it with that you are a salmonier if i pronounce that correctly let's say somebody's grilling out this weekend and they want ribs what kind of wine should be paired with pork ribs baby back ribs that's a great question um you want something that can cut through kind of the fattiness of the ribs so i like a um like an australian shiraz or in domestic uh terms of syrah it's got enough um, pepperiness and spiciness to kind of stand up to the, the fat of the ribs and, um, you know, generally will be good to drink kind of on a hotter day if you're outside grilling. But um, the, a Syrah or Shiraz will definitely go really well with some ribs. How in the heck do you know? I was going to say, that is pretty darn good insight right there. I to cut through there. the fattiness. How <laughs> do you know this? Well, you know, uh, I've been in the business about six years now. Uh, my family's been in it for 60. So I grew up, you know, learning about pairing wines, pairing beer spirits with uh, whatever you're eating. Because, you know, that's that's when it's the best. When when, you, when what you're drinking really goes well with what you're eating or what you're, the company you're having, those are the best types of events. So, you know, we take a real pride in getting you the right thing for whatever you're doing. Bruce is a pretty shy guy. He did not yeah. want to ask you this question himself because he didn't want to incriminate himself. So I'll ask it for him. Uh, Bruce wanted to know what is the best wine to drink directly out of a brown paper bag? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That or intravenously, <laughs> one or the other. 
You know, that is a great question, and uh, haven't tried it personally, so I, you know, that might be the one wine question I might not be able to help you with. Uh, you know what, Bruce? This is what you should do, because you live close to Argon. I know you yeah, shop there anyway. Right. Uh, you should just go down there, buy all different types of wine, uh, ask for a brown paper bag, but because I know you're keen on recycling, uh, make sure yes. make sure they use one brown paper bag for the case of wine that you decide to buy. I'll bring my paper bag with me. That's the way we'll go. B-Y-O-P-B. <laughs> bring your own paper bag. Oh, dear. How do people find you, Josh? Uh, so we're at 760 East Colfax, Colfax and Washington, um, or Colfax and Clarkson. And then we are online, www.argonautliquor.com, or give us a call at 303-831-7788. Be remiss if I didn't ask you, what's the final score of the Broncos-Seahawks game on Sunday? Oh, what was it? It was brutal. 17-16? No, no, the one on Sunday, the one coming up. Give us your prediction. Oh. I, always, I always make predictions after the game is over, and my right. ledger is 100% accurate. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping for a big Broncos win this week, so... Um, I'm hoping for 31-10, whoever we're playing. You know what? That's where Brandon McManus was yesterday, 31-10 to when I asked him about it. By the way, is it better for the liquor business when the Broncos win because people want to celebrate with beer, wine, and spirits, or when they lose because they want to forget about it? <laughs> uh, you know, we find we, uh, we do better when the Broncos are playing well and people want to be into the games and watching them and having fun. So, um you know, we do deliver for all your tailgate parties, all your things like that. So go Broncos. Have a great weekend, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Eric. Good to talk to you guys. See you, man. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, some news this morning as Sandy Clough is going to be stepping away from the microphone after 43 years in talk radio. Uh, what are your takeaways from Mr. Clough kind of hanging it up? As good as anyone I've heard in a single broadcast, when you can carry a show in the manner in which he did by himself for many years that I've heard. I've only been here six plus years uh, or in tandem with others. You have mad respect. If you've done this thing Mm -hmm. like we have uh, for a long time, incredible encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge of local sports, he will be missed. Sandy, to me, is an acquired taste. Hmm. Okay, If I want to be entertained, I'll go to Comedy Works. I'll go see a movie, or I'll go to the theater. Growing up in Chicago, to me, when I listen to sports talk radio, I wanted to learn something that I didn't already know. So that is from my perspective and how I look at somebody that I listen to on the air. This is not hyperbole with what I'm about to say. And I've been in the media for 30 years, and you've been in the media even longer. Sandy Clough, to me, is the best guy I have ever heard on radio. Ever. Mm-hmm. He is number one on my list for what I am looking for in a sports talk radio show host. I have said that to him multiple times, and I meant it. And if I could be half 
as good as him, then my radio career is a success. Just in case you missed it, last night's game was the first ever NFL game on Amazon Prime. Jeff Bezos was in the house at Arrowhead Stadium. Seemed like there were mixed reviews from the crowd on social media. What are your thoughts on the broadcast from the ads to Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit calling the game? I thought it was a little uneven, but that's not surprising for the first effort out. I don't know about the dynamic between Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit yet, although I found myself liking Herbstreit in an NFL uh, forum better than I probably thought that I would. He knows football. You can say whatever you want about Kirk Herbstreit, but he knows football, and he's good at what he does. I thought some of the periphery things that Tony Gonzalez, Richard Sherman, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it ha- is a group that has some potential. Not sure that they were cooking with oil last night. So I'll take a little bit of a wait and see. I was glad to have football on Thursday night. You can't go wrong with Al Michaels. Uh, but there's some things on the periphery that need a little work. I was thinking about this as I was listening to the broadcast. 42 years ago, roughly, Al Michaels said, do you believe in miracles? Right. He was at the top of his game. And I don't sense any drop off. None. And that's pretty incredible. Yeah, that dude timeless. is incredible. He is timeless. No drop off. That's going to do it for us. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. If you're looking for a cocktail, beer, wine, and spirits, go to a place with the best prices. See why Westwood calls it the best liquor store in Denver, five years running. Don't forget, they deliver to the entire Denver metro area. And if your order is over 100 bucks, hey, they're going to do it for free. Zach, great job today, especially fixing a problem that I had this morning. Thank you so much. And it has nothing to do with a transmitted disease. So thank you so much for helping me out with the problem that I had. Alex, you were terrific as always all week. Bruce, outstanding. I will see you on Sunday at the game. I look game. forward to it. Make it the best possible weekend you can. So it doesn't hurt. I want you to stay.